Hey there, welcome to the Marketers Take Flight podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Diven, founder of Marketers Take Flight and the creator of the Proposal Pro course. I am obsessed with helping AEC marketers just like you put order back into the proposal process, create winning strategies, and build the confidence and courage to advance your career. Each week, I will be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews to fly through the proposal turbulence and have your career take off. So let's dive right in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketers Take Flight podcast. And this is a first for this podcast. Today, I have not one, but two excellent guests on and friends of mine who are going to be talking all about organizing in-person events. As all of us know, the last year has been crazy and our worlds have been turned upside down, especially when it comes to events, which is a marketing strategy a lot of our firms use for our business development and brand awareness. And so many of those events have been made virtual. But now we're starting to see in-person events. And I have two guests on today that are just coming off the heels of their last year or so planning an in-person event that actually took place in Nashville at the end of April of 2021. So my two guests today are Emily Ferrara. She's the marketing designer at KCI Technologies and Rachel Frohart, marketing manager at PCL. And they served as the co-chairs for the SMPS Southeastern Regional Conference. So hi. Hi, ladies. How are you today? Hey, Lindsay. How are you? Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on. So before we get into talking about this in-person event you guys just came off of organizing... Why don't you first tell me a little bit about how you got into this event or involved in volunteering for this event and kind of your experience with, you know, both virtual and in-person events that got you here today? I attended, or I guess I joined us in 2013 when I kind of entered my career in the AEC industry. And my first, my first Cirque was in Raleigh in 2014. That is, side note, also where I met my husband. <laughs> so fun times. So we're both pretty involved here in Nashville. And I kind of have taken some career sidetracks. So I've been off and on as a member and as a attendee of Cirque. But in 2019, when I was officially back in the industry again, a friend of ours in Nashville asked if I would co-chair in Nashville because Part of my background has been event planning. So I agreed and the rest is kind of history. Okay, great. How about you, Rachel? So yeah, so I've been part of the SMPS since 2009, actually since I moved to Central Florida. So I've been part of the chapter since then. Kind of started out as a committee member, eventually moved up to a director position. I was programs director. And then a couple of years ago, I was president. And after the presidency was over, and you know, you're ready for the downhill slide, Mm -hmm. here comes Lindsay Divin asking (laughs) if I'll be a part of the CERC. In, in Tampa Bay. So I was a, a programs co-chair for the Tampa Bay conference, which unfortunately was the week that COVID hit. And so we ended up having to cancel that conference, switch it to virtual. And then and then I was asked to be co-chair the following year and partner with Emily as it was coming to Central Florida in 2022 when they were working to kind of build this, this really strong base. So individuals experienced the conference as a co-chair and then became the co-chair when, when the conference was actually held locally. So that's where I am. Okay. Well, great. So tell us about 
this in-person event you guys are just coming off of, this SMPS SIRC. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that event and the format and a little bit about it? Yeah. So, you know, we obviously started our planning journey imagining this to be an in-person event in 2019 before COVID kind of made its way into our lives. And as things started shutting down, we kind of just sat back and watched for a little while. I think Rachel and I were both fortunate to be involved in the Tampa conference so that we could kind of see firsthand how to deal with changes and the world shutting down. So, you know, through all of that, we just kind of sat back, really listened. We did some member surveys. We kind of kept an open mind about what 2021 was going to look. And as that approached, obviously we still had a contract with our hotel. So we wanted to keep that in mind as well. But, you know, the the membership really had strong opinions about doing virtual versus an in-person conference. And we ultimately decided that we're here for our members and we're here to serve everyone and, and provide options for people to get connected and engaged. And so we dreamed up, developed, I guess, a hybrid option where, you know, we had about half of our attendees, maybe a little more than half of our attendees in person. And the rest, we were able to partner with SMPS National to provide a virtual platform for some speakers to pre-record some content and then also do some kind of virtual roundtables with attendees so that people who could not be at the conference in person could still stay connected and engaged. That's great. Yeah. So I'm hearing some common things, listening, dealing with changes, but still upholding your contracts with the hotel and providing options. Those are some kind of common themes I've heard about this planning process. So Rachel, you said that you were, well, you guys were both involved in Tampa Bay, but when did you guys really start focusing on the 2021 conference? Like when did you guys, how long before the, the actual event did you start really organizing? Yeah. So typically for these conferences, we really start at 18 months to two years out in advance. And that's really based on the location, right? If we have a high volume, high tourism location, we start earlier because the hotels, they book two, three, four years out in advance in some of our really highly trafficked tourism locations. For Nashville specifically, I believe it was about 18 months in advance. We worked to get the contract settled with the hotel and get it signed. That way we were squared away and we were ready to move on with other things. So roughly two years to 18 months, really depending on where the location is. Mm-hmm. And throughout this process, I know I was on one of your committees, but for our listeners who maybe weren't involved, Emily, you alluded to, to a little bit of this on, you know, how did you determine to keep it in person? Like, what was the deciding factors to stay with an in-person event versus going 100% virtual? You know, as Emily alluded to earlier, we really worked hard to understand what our membership wanted. That was most important because SMPS is a member-based organization. So we surveyed them and we did a final survey of, okay, this is where we're at in the world today. If today you had to make a decision, what would you want to do? And we had an overwhelming response of individuals that wanted to attend an in-person conference. We had over 70% of our membership wanted an in-person conference, but we still needed to cater to the individuals that you know, really needed that virtual option. So the decision was made pretty quickly once we got those survey results that, okay, 
we're going to move forward with the in-person conference. It makes sense. It's what our membership is asking for, and we need to serve them as an organization. So that was an easy answer. I'll call it easy-ish. <laughs> virtual was a little bit more complicated. You know, it is to many a new technology, new platforms, a very, very steep learning curve. And we had to take that into account too. Can we handle So we had to make a lot of decisions around that too. We actually created a virtual committee to assist us. And we got a boatload of help from SMPS headquarters that actually offered a platform to us that they had contracted with and worked diligently with us to, to implement that platform. It was also very important for us too, as we kind of made some in-person decisions that we really stayed on top of like what the medical community was doing and what like safety precautions were standard or how we could maybe go a little bit above and beyond the standard safety stuff and really focus on keeping our in-person attendees safe. And, you know, thankfully, as the year kind of progressed, we were fortunate that, you know, vaccination rates picked up really well and really quickly. So we had a little bit extra layer of safety, which was nice. And, you know, the majority of our attendees were vaccinated. And I think that kind of worked in our favor. It was something that we couldn't really plan for, but it worked out really nicely. The timing worked out nicely is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so speaking of, you know, the vaccinations, but what are some of the other health or safety precautions did you plan for at the in-person event? So thankfully, the city of Nashville had a lot of kind of built in safety stuff and policies in place. So, you know, everybody had to wear masks inside. We requested that attendees also wear masks outside when they're close to someone networking and things like that. We, you know, we had hand sanitizer. We provided masks and sanitizer to all of our attendees in kind of their welcome bag. So there, there wasn't really an excuse for someone not to have a mask. The only time people were allowed to take their masks off was if they were speaking or in like kind of their own personal bubble, if you will. But the hotel also really helped us stay on top of people having masks on, which I think was huge. We also implemented some social distancing in terms of like we had eight foot round tables and we had a maximum of four people at each table. So that kind of kept people at a distance from each other, which was good. We really relied heavily on our meeting planners to provide us with maximum safe capacities for room layouts. And we were fortunate to be able to use some larger spaces than we normally would have booked to have about 100 to 150 people in a gathering space. So yeah, I think really focusing on making sure you have a large enough room and making sure that your table configurations are set up to make social distancing natural is a huge key in safety these days. Okay. Yeah. So you covered a little bit about this by talking about the dining and the seating at the dining and the large capacity, the larger rooms for our, our meetings. But other than those details, walk us through some of the other details. Many of my listeners probably have been to a conference pre-COVID, but walk us through some of the other in-person details that might be might have looked a little bit different at this year's in-person event. So a couple other things that looked different was how we configured the way that food was presented and delivered to individuals. Everything was plated. So that was one thing, you know, typically at a conference, you're, you're having buffets, things like that. And everything was either plated or served by the staff of the hotel. So when we have our social events, 
that was that was served by the staff at the hotel. So the only touch point was that singular individual, as well as the plated service. Also, typically, you would have you know, water stations, things along those lines. Mm-hmm. Instead, it was all bottled and it was placed at your seat. And if you needed another one, you just simply grabbed a staff member and asked them for another bottle of water. So those were a couple of the precautions as it relates to, to the food and beverage. And I think that's probably outside of the distancing and the masks. That was probably the most different type of situation that we had, you know, compared to a typical conference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about the different snacks in between breakout sessions. <laughs> they used to have just, you know, the snack bars with yes. make your own trail mix or make your own cookies or something. So that was Correct. totally <laughs> different this year. <laughs> Definitely a different environment. Everything was pre-packaged, yeah. pre-put together, very grab and go, which actually I think people liked and appreciated. You know, it's kind of nice to just have your own little thing and take it away with you. We were also, you know, there was also a little bit of an advantage to delivering the meals like that. Mm. There was less noise as it related to during the keynotes because everything was preset and pre-delivered as opposed to people going up to the buffet, making noises, grabbing plates, things along those lines. So I actually believe that it delivered a little bit of a better experience for the attendees and for the keynote speakers, less distractions. You know, pretty much the only distraction was when the hotel staff cleared the plates. But I will be honest with you, they were amazing. They were so quiet. I don't even remember it happening, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, that's great. So that might be a benefit. That might be something that stays with in-person events. Yeah, it was funny how we did get a lot of good feedback. Like people said, you know, after a year of being home and doing everything for themselves, it was nice to kind of be taken care of. And so it was a, it was a good touch point, I think, that we should consider going forward for sure. So we've been to the event. It happened now a couple months ago. What kind of feedback did you receive during the event, after the event, since the event has happened? What has the feedback been like? So the feedback has been incredibly positive. We had, I think, you know, a lot of the positivity came from individuals just ready for a new and different experience. And I say new lightly because it's like, it ha- you know, it used to happen and then it stopped and now it's back. Individuals were so thrilled, especially on the in-person side to be able to see people, connect with people, watch someone in person speak as opposed to online. We really got a lot of positive feedback. And across the board, you know, one thing we were concerned about was kind of the age ranges that we typically see at a conference. We were considering that we might see a less amount of what we would call our senior members at the event. And we actually had a ton of them attend which was great. So we really had a, po- a lot of positive feedback on the virtual side, ton of positive feedback too. We actually had a hundred individuals sign up for the virtual conference and every single one of them signed in and attended oh, wow. some in some type of way. So we actually had SMPS headquarters tracking that for us and everybody that signed up, signed in and attended something, which to us was a huge win because we were very worried about that connection point. And maybe Emily, you can kind of talk about how we how we connected with the virtual attendees before we before we held the virtual event. Yeah, so we were very thankful slash fortunate to have SMPS headquarters really support us heavily in this way. But they brought basically a platform to us that, you know, over the past year, a lot of people have developed online platforms. I feel like the one that they brought to us, it's called Hopin. It was really nice in that it sent out a lot of reminders. It made things, I I think, fairly easy for people to get connected to and start up with. But in addition to that, we also wanted to make sure that our attendees felt 
care for from a personal standpoint. So we also put together a virtual attendee box to send out to our virtual attendees about a week before the event happened. And it contained just kind of like a little cute card, like a margarita kit, some kind of fun SMPS branded items, some chips and salsa, like stuff to have just kind of kind of a fun, you know, we're still thinking of you. We want to celebrate with you. And we got a lot of great feedback about that. People were excited to have that. And that was fun for us to put together as well. You know, Emily and I also hopped in and what we did for virtual attendees was we also created a couple opportunities for connection with them. There were networking opportunities, obviously, within the platform. We had a happy hour get together that we did. We had a couple of virtual stretches where individuals could kind of take a break and do something different. And then Emily and I actually got on to close out the virtual conference to answer questions and to introduce people to CERC 2022 and what was coming next. So that was really fun to be able to interact, even though we weren't all together in person virtually. And also talking through how to really make the event easy for our virtual attendees, we were able to create some kind of like how-to videos and instructions that we sent out a couple of weeks before the event started so that people were familiar with how to use the platform what to click through, what to expect, things like that. I think that is huge if you are planning a virtual event. Just really focusing on the communication and offering some kind of visual how-tos for people so that they feel thought about and they don't feel as scared to jump in when the time actually comes. Or hop in. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So last question before we move over into our rapid-fire questions. What advice do you have for other volunteers and or marketing professionals who are beginning to plan in-person events, either for other SMPS or industry organizations or for their own firms? What advice do you have for them as they venture back into in-person events? My biggest piece of advice, I keep saying this over and over again, is just listen. Like sit back and listen. Throw away your preconceived ideas. And just really focus on being open to what works best in your specific situation. And yeah, just absorb feedback and make it work for you. I think you make a really good point, Emily. That listening was huge. A lot of times when you plan a conference, you just plug in and you chug, 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 chug. And you go, this is what we've done before. This is how we've always done it. And this year, we really had to take a step back and say, right now, we don't know the answers because we have never done this before (laughs) in this type of environment and in this type of way. And really listening to our attendees was incredibly important. Like Emily said, they gave us the right feedback for us to make the right decisions that made them happy because honestly, they're they're the ones paying for this event, right? Mm -hmm. This event does not exist without the people that attend. And so you want it to be a positive experience for them. So you have to listen to them. Great. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to give a shameless plug for Cirque 2022. Rachel, if you want to. Absolutely. So Cirque 2022 will be in Orlando next year. It will be March 23rd through 25th at the Lowe's Royal Pacific Hotel on the University of Orlando Resort property. Very excited. It's a Polynesian slash tropical themed hotel. If you've never been there before, amazing service, amazing location, walkable to city walk and all three of the universal parks. We're really excited for CERT 2022 and excited to have everybody back in person and really hit the ground running. And I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, but I will 100% be there because there will be a luau. So (laughs) 
You heard it here first. Breaking news (laughs) on the Marketers (laughs) Take Flight podcast. (laughs) Well, great. Okay. So I end all of my shows with rapid fire questions. So these three questions I ask every guest, these are going to be real quick. And I'm going to ask a question and I hope both of you guys can answer it. So first I'll start with Emily. What is your number one piece of advice for marketers who are new to the AEC industry? Okay. So I feel like I literally just answered the same answer. I seriously believe listening to the people around you. I am a firm believer in marketers come to their, their jobs with very strong and uh, unique skill sets. And if you are able to come into a company or a position with an open mind about what you can provide and what benefits you can provide to the people around you, you will be more fulfilled in your career and the people around you will be more pleased with your performance if you can kind of figure out how to use your unique qualities to be exceptional at your job. And how about you, Rachel? What is your number one piece of advice? Mine is similar to Emily, you know, really be your own advocate and create your own path. In this industry, you can't wait for someone else to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. So that's my that's my best advice is just to to follow your own path and be your own advocate. Great. Now this time, the next question, Rachel, I'll start with you. What has been your favorite or most memorable win? So this was a hard one. I was trying to think of, you know, trying to think of what would be best. And a couple, because of the nature of PCL's work, I can't talk about a lot of my mm-hmm. favorite wins because we are under NDAs. <laughs> yes, I, I my, feel you on that. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, most memorable win recently was the Evermore Resort Orlando. That's a multi-billion dollar development going in near Disney, which was a really strategic focused marketing effort that that we won. And I, it was awesome. So that's my favorite. Congrats. Thanks. And how about you, Emily? Your favorite or most memorable win? Yeah. So kind of similar. I'm going to keep it a little bit vague. And I'm also going to keep it in the same theme, I guess. This is my theme of the day. But we had a project that we were chasing that we maybe shouldn't have been so gung-ho about chasing. We there, there was an incumbent that had a really great relationship with a client and had had this contract for a really long time. And we came in and we're like, you know what? We are going to try to shake things up a little bit. And we were able to really focus on listening to the issues that the client was facing and really play up our strengths to address those specific issues. And we beat out the incumbent on an on-call contract. So very exciting, but I'm going to be vague about what it is. <laughs> I totally understand. Totally understand. Okay. So this time we'll start with Emily. What are you excited about right now? So in my personal life, I'm very excited. My daughter just finished her junior year of high school and we are going to spend the next six to eight months doing a lot of uh, deep dives into colleges. And I'm excited to see kind of what her future holds. It's a good time for me to take my mom skill advice and <laughs> put it towards something that has like a very quick turnaround of reward. So I'm excited to just watch her next year play out and be able to do it from the sidelines instead of being in the middle of it this time. Yep. I'm in the same place. My son is finishing his junior year. So we're touring colleges this summer. It's, it's overwhelming and a lot. And, yeah. and then you, my love as well, because, oh man. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, what about you? What are you excited about right now? You know, I think I'm really excited for this summer. I think a lot of people have said, okay, this is, you know, this is the summer we're going to do things. We're actually going to travel to Maine in August. I'm very excited about my husband has family there. And our kids just absolutely love going there and really experiencing that true Mainer living 
So we go swimming in quarries and we go hiking and we go blueberry picking and it's very different from Florida and it's very fun. Yeah. And you can actually be outside. in August. Yes. <laughs> Just got to wear a hat because there's chicks up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you guys. Thank both of you ladies for taking some time out today um, to come on the show and, and share your experiences with planning I would say probably one of the first, if not only so far by the time this episode airs, in-person kind of major conference in our industry. So congratulations on all that success. And thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, thanks, Lindsay. Lindsay. Well, I hope you had as much fun as I did talking with Emily and Rachel. I just love those ladies. And it was such a pleasure to work with them for the last year plus helping organize the SMPS Southeastern Regional Conference. And I'm so impressed that we were able to pull off an in-person conference. And so thank you to everybody. There was a great committee of people to pull it all off. So I hope this provides you with a little inspiration and encouragement to, you know, if you sit on an SMPS or other industry board to maybe plan some in-person events or feel a little bit more comfortable with the cautions and feedback from your members. So that's why I wanted to have them on the show today to really talk about their experience because not a lot of us have had in-person events over the past year. And so I feel like Emily and Rachel with the team of the planning committee were really brave enough to have the in-person conference in April. And so that's why I wanted to share their story. So again, if you liked this episode, found value in it, please go to Apple Podcasts and hit that five star and leave me a review so I know what you like or don't like. And until next time, my friend, bye for now.